Welcome, everybody. You're listening to our new From the Stands podcast with Billiken's Athletic Director, Chris May. On the 15th of every month, we'll be uploading a new podcast for you to download. These podcasts will take you through a variety of areas in the world of St. Louis University Billiken Athletics. We have quite the slate of guests for you today. In our kickoff episode, we'll be joined by women's soccer coach and A-10 Coach of the Year, Katie Shields, followed by two of her senior student-athletes who are fresh off of an undefeated A-10 season and NCAA tournament berth. Later in the show, we'll talk with men's head soccer coach Kevin Kalish. And to wrap it up, we'll talk to our two basketball coaches, uh, head coach Lisa Stone of the women's Billikens and Travis Ford of the men's team. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Billiken Podcast for show updates and the latest news regarding our new series. And with that, I'm pleased to introduce our first guest of, t- of the show today, Billiken women's soccer head coach Katie Shields. Welcome, Katie. Appreciate you joining us here on uh, From the Stands, coming off of an unbelievable journey this fall with your team and all the successes, and I know it's real early, so it's hard to take it all in, but uh, as you look at the season right now and when it started in August, what what's it look like to you? What What's it, top of mind right now? Um, and as you went through the non-conference into the A-10, and we can talk about all the great things, obviously undefeated in the A-10, mm-hmm. go win the tournament in Dayton, all these school records and what have you, and so you've had all these people coming at you going how great it's been, but when you take a step back, What's it look like? Well, first, thanks for having me. Uh, Our pleasure. It's great to be here. Um, but it, it's pretty it's pretty remarkable, I think. Uh, you know, coming in in August, we knew we had a talented group. We knew that we had some good experience, but we also knew we had to battle through some adversity and we had some unknowns and some injuries that we had to really find good answers for. So we started, as we always do, with really building team and building culture. And I think some of that early adversity really helped this group build some resiliency, build some cohesion and chemistry, and really fight for some things that maybe they hadn't had to do in previous years. And so, you know, some freshmen showed up in great places, ready to make an impact. And then the older ones really set a mission and set a tone about what they were after this year and they weren't really going to take anything uh, other than a championship this season. You've spent a lot of time in the last, I'll call it, 18 to 24 months building culture. How did you go through that and most importantly, how do you think all those building blocks that you've set with culture then manifested into such a great uh, season? Uh, even the process started three, three, four years ago. Um, but then it was it was almost just words and telling a story and, and really trying to build some ideas into what are now our seniors when they were freshmen about being a part of something bigger than themselves and what it was going to take from a core value standpoint, from a expectations of behavior standpoint. But we realized about 24 months ago, they were really just words on paper, signs in a locker room, and we had to really flush those out with our actions and our daily habits. And so a big part of it came in, we used storytelling with our team and examples of of programs and organizations that have done it better um, or have had success. And so I think a lot of it was getting to flip the switch from it being about them (laughs) to about being about something bigger than themselves and representing a community and being grateful for an opportunity um, that they had. And so that started to take root last season. And we just we had some other challenges we had to fight through uh, culturally. 
And then it, it really came together this year. And I, I think the most amazing thing was in the press conference at the end of Friday night, we just lose double overtime, pretty heartbreaking fashion, and then say a tournament. And the two players in there, all they could do was thank others and talk about how grateful they were. It's pretty cool to see what you talked about four or five years ago start to come to fruition. Yeah, I couldn't have been more proud when they were talking about gratitude. Yeah, and that means we've cool. made a difference. So that uh, that's really cool. I think I think one thing our community would be really interested in is as you built this culture. I find one of the real cool things that I get to see once a week is when you meet with your leaders. What's that look like? Who are they? And what are you trying to get done each week when you meet with the leaders of the team? Yeah, it's been an evolving process that we've, again, stolen from some other great programs and picked things that we thought would work for us. But it starts with in the off season. So right about now is when we kind of reevaluate what that group looks like. But it's traditionally been five to six players representation from each age in the team so you you hear all the voices you hear hopefully from players who don't play to players who maybe play 90 minutes for us and we meet once a week it's usually in the morning because that's the only time we can get them all together um, for breakfast and that meeting is it it varies We, we have a curriculum through the spring where we're really trying to teach them about what it means to serve a team and to lead a team and a lot of the times the first time they get in the room they have no idea how hard it is when they get in there but then it, the, the group, the, the leadership crew starts to evolve and every week we'll, we'll usually talk about some kind of an item, whether it's communication, whether it's um, building of the group that we need to, to figure out, team defending, team attacking. I mean, we'll get into the nitty gritty with them, but then it's bigger picture concepts about, you know, leading the tough ones, leading the ones that are easy to lead, but how do you get one more, you know, extra out of them? And so... It's we always have an idea going into the week, but then when you get in the room with them, it can take a it can take a U-turn pretty quick. And that's really helped us get a strong pulse on the team um, from a weekly basis. We also put a lot of ownership and accountability into that group in the room. And we will ask them to do things that are going to be uncomfortable for them that. Um, but we're also building consensus for the good of the group, um, or we're trying to build consensus. And they'll, they're comfortable enough with us now that they'll push back when they think some, think of something, and, and we'll push back at them as well. Um, and so it's been a really uh, important piece to, to being able to touch all of our players and, and just grow this team. And, and because we have such a unique group in the room we really feel like we hear from everybody and the team knows they can if they're not comfortable bringing it to the coaches they can bring it to the leadership and so we lean on them I think some of the reason we were so successful on the road this year is they were able to really help us navigate what it's like and what they need to be successful on the road some of the uh, challenges of travel in the A10 that yeah. we have talked about over the years yeah. maybe that, maybe that process has helped clean it up just that, a little that, that weekly leadership meeting really actually flushes out some of those challenges as opposed to that famous Charlotte to GW trip of oh, six, that, seven years ago that, seven years ago that, that we talk about that four to one beating yeah, yeah. well uh, it's cool when you get to see young people really take ownership in helping lead mm-hmm. and help build the culture right I mean and so that for me is so rewarding to see happen so we win the a10 regular season and yet we know we have to win the tournament how did you set the tone with the team and communicate what has to get done in the a10 tournament for the program to take the next step forward we knew very early on we were going to need to win the a10 tournament as soon as we lost to kansas and vanderbilt in the regular season we knew 
um, that's where we'd be. So we communicated that immediately to the team. Um, but obviously we told them that those next games would be the most important games in terms of the conference to prepare them to then win, set themselves up to win the A-10 tournament. From first, we focused on getting a home game in the conference tournament, achieve that, and obviously going 10-0 uh, in the in the regular season, it just built up muscle memory of winning and knowing how to win. And so for us going from that Sunday against GW to hosting uh, the quarterfinal the next weekend, we prepared like we prepare every single week. We really didn't talk about our opponent until later in the week because there's I, we knew there was nerves around the quarterfinal because this group had never been past it. It was an opponent that could be tricky. Um, but we, we prepared as if we prepared, and then we really leaned on the leadership of do what you've done to tell the team, do what you've done week in and week out for these last five weeks. And I got to give them credit. I mean, they came out, and they absolutely put the hammer down in the quarterfinal. And after we won the quarterfinal, it was, we knew. I mean, it, it was just, if this group continues to show up the way they've shown up, there's nobody in the league who can play with us. And so, again, I think it speaks to they were just able to consistently show up on a daily basis through those five weeks and then the two weeks of the playoff soccer um, to ensure that we just put our best foot, best team, best foot forward, and we would take care of business. So we, we play so well in the quarters, and then I was fortunate enough to come over and spend some time with the team the day of the championship game. And uh, I've never seen <laughs> anything experience. quite like it. Um, tell our fans uh, what it's like with this team the day of a game. I, I've been around teams for 35 years. I have never seen anything like this group in their uh, preparation, their care for each other, and how loose they are in getting ready for a championship game. I wish it was just day of game they were that loud. Uh, but the, the first thing you'll notice is, wow. the, is the noise. And, and breakfast. And it starts and in breakfast. the breakfast room. I mean, college kids are usually, and previous teams we've had are kind of bleary-eyed coming down for breakfast. And this group, and, and I think it's some of the, the seniors and the juniors on the team, is they're just excited that it's game day. Yeah. And they come down, and they're awake, and they're high-fiving. It's also our staff. I mean, Chris Allen is about the happiest person you're going to meet every day, um, and he's high-fiving people. So that it's in the breakfast room, and then we just also have found routine that they've bought into and are super excited about. We play a silly game called Foursquare, but it doesn't feel silly. It gets super competitive, gets the juice flowing, and it's... I saw somebody take a shot to the head. Yeah, it's it? about as loud as it can get as well. And yeah. um, But there's also there's a lightness to it and a fun um, that they just enjoy being together um, and that's that's the leadership that's the, the group the staffs put together recruiting wise um, and and just also buying into to being a positive human being and filling up each other every day and so it, it's it's an incre- it's an incredible feeling you get them like that on game day and they were like that on game day one all the way through game day 23 and right. I think again it, it's really the reason they were so consistent and when they won the championship what were your thoughts I was I was overwhelmed I mean I kind of had tears in my eyes when uh, Maddie Picorni scored the third goal to make it 3-1 because I knew nobody was digging out after that um, against us and also to see Maddie uh, senior who has been tremendous for us for four years, but see her evolution with the team's evolution, it's overwhelming. Lindsey Sands scores the opening goal, another senior. So that group of seniors was really one of our first recruiting classes, and it's pretty overwhelming to see a vision you sold them 
eight, seven years ago, six, yeah. seven years ago, come to fruition um, in, in what a dream could be. And then just to see their joy again, an opportunity to enjoy each other um, and celebrate because they've, they've put their hearts into it. Which leads me to this group of seniors. Yeah. Um, from the first time you started recruiting them till today, what have they meant? What are they going to meet about this foundation? Mean to the foundation that you've built, and to the long-term uh, success. It's a special group. It's a bit of a. It's a very unique uh, kind of group of individuals. I think. We started recruiting. It was the first group. We had recruited the previous two classes, but it was kind of, they were later and um, not everyone was available in the class when we started getting going. This was the group that we really had a shot and said, okay, if you can have anyone out there, no one's really committed, who do you want? And, you know, we identified Maddie really, or Maddie Picorni really early. She she was the best local player in her class. And we knew to be successful at SLU, we were going to have to keep the best players in St. Louis. And she was the first one we went after with everything we had. Um, and it took about two years for her to say yes to us. And um, it was not for lack of love. And so, you know, she was kind of the big local get um, that we went after. And then we also, you know, we started to try and pick pieces that were just going to be important from a character standpoint. Um, Bella Palazzolo had a ton of just... Uh, maturity at even as a high schooler and um, qualities that I said I want in the room I want in this team Um, and then Lindsay Sands I mean she had just this gift of speed and we said if we can rein this thing in and she was willing to work um, and and again I liked her personality she liked the idea of building something I could see her light up when we talked to her talk to her about it in the recruiting process and then even to the the couple that didn't see as much of the field Carly Kuchera she had ton of she had unlucky injuries but she was a part of our leadership group she was a really steady hand um, always kind of had a calm good perspective for the team and the coaches and then Jess Kopech you need players like that on your team she's a kind of a recruited walk-on and loves the game, uh, loves to practice soccer. every day and help. And yeah, and is always dragging others out to play with her um, cool. when we're not training. And so that group, they started with us and they were in 13th place in the A-10 their freshman year. And it was brutal. I mean, it was a hard, hard season. And then they slowly but surely just kept chipping away. And, you know, by the time more talent came under them they just you give them so much credit because they just welcomed it in they didn't care what it meant for themselves and they didn't care if it took away playing time um, but they also developed their game and they bought wholeheartedly into uh, our vision and our dream and so for me it, it was so satisfying to see um, that group especially get to get to go out with a championship and how great was it to be in Lawrence what I took away from it is it proved to me that we can play at that level. And I took everybody walking off the field thought we should have won. And for me, it meant that you and the program have taken such a step because now when we're there next year, we won't back down. So unbelievable match against Kansas, losing double overtime, but the pride with people walking off there was cool. Yeah, I mean, it's still stuck in my craw because we do think we could have uh, we could have won. And, and Kansas is a... It's a great program, but they also this year have a have a very good team. Um, but that said, I don't think anyone in the group thought, "Oh, we're just happy to be here." None of those kids were just happy to be there. Yeah. They were they were going in to win, and the staff. I mean, we were already preparing a scouting report for the following weekend, and I don't think that I know that wouldn't have been the case two years ago, even yeah. last year. Um, we were kind of just along for a ride at points, and so. 
I told the, you know, I told them in the locker room after the game, their eyes and their tears were in our, our typical huddle. And I just said, it, it hurts because you're winners. And it, because it hurts so much, like we're going to be back. And, um, the seniors, they, they pushed us farther than any group has. Um, but you know, I know there's a hunger in that, that next group that's coming up, um, because, it's special to play on that stage, but it's it's very unsatisfying not to win. Well, we couldn't be more proud, and uh, we'll look forward to having you on from the stands many more times and more championships and more coaches of the year and All-Americans and all those great things. I couldn't be happier with uh, the program, what you've done to build culture, what you've done to focus on our department objectives of educating these young women competing for championships and bringing a community together like uh, hasn't happened for a long time. So great job, and uh, we'll look forward to doing this again. Awesome. That was A-10 Coach of the Year, Katie Shields. We'd now like to welcome to the show two of the women from Katie's team from this season, seniors Maddie Picorni and Bella Palazzola. Welcome to From the Stands, our uh, podcast that we're uh, reaching out to the Billikens to really talk uh, Billiken athletics and talk to our our rock stars like our student-athletes who we have here today. We have Maddie Picorni, who is a senior on our women's soccer team, along with Bella Palazzolo. Uh, congratulations for a fantastic season. We're super, super proud of you guys, and it was uh, what a run. So I've got a few questions. You can share anything you guys want to share. This is kind of just a flowing conversation. But first I thought, uh, you know, I was thinking about you two and what the experience you guys have had. And so tell us about your experience from being recruited when you first thought about being a Billiken to where you are today. What a, what a journey you both have been through and you've gone along together and it's been awesome from my perspective as the athletic director to get to watch, but tell us about, tell us about that journey from your guys' perspective. Uh, scarily this is Bella. being recruited. This is Bella. Hi, Mom and Dad. Hope awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, being recruited here now, that's almost six years ago. Which is crazy, but I I definitely feel like I can speak for Maddie and I and the other seniors when I say that we were definitely recruited on a hope and a dream. And um, when we came to SLU and visited for the first time, we sat down with Katie and the other coaches at the time, and they just told us what the program looked like now, but what it will look like, and how we could be a part of that and participate. And um, I think that was a really special thing for me to feel coming into the program was that I was being set up to make a difference in in program history and I felt like that was something that really drew me um, to the culture so being recruited for me in my sophomore year of high school and then coming into freshman year we had a couple stumbles freshman year um, I think individually and like as a program but each year, I watched the team evolve right in front of me, um, getting better and better every single year. And, you know, part of our mission is to consistently contend for and win an A-10 championship. And I think tangibly for us to sit here and look back and say that we've completed our mission is just really special. Um, so for me, that is the biggest takeaway is that I watched the team evolve in front of my eyes in the program, and we went from not even making the tournament my freshman year to 
kicking some serious booty <laughs> our senior year. Yeah. <laughs> Maddie, you talk about okay. kicking booty. No, well, well, just to piggyback off that a little bit, I agree. I think um, what Bella said, it was like a hope and a dream. And Katie just said, you know, look, just trust the process. Everything will work out. And we trusted the process. And I think we always have to do our um, our quiz on our core values and our mission statement. And um, I mean, I feel like, I don't know if this goes for you, Bella, but like my freshman and sophomore year, I feel like we were just writing words down, you know? And then, but my junior year is when I like wrote it and I kind of, I believed a little bit. And then this year I was like, we're gonna do this thing. And like, it's just, a fe- it was a feeling for me, you know, just, um, just trusting Katie, trusting the coaching staff. And we've had changes throughout the coaching staff, you know, throughout our years too, which, you know, we have to become adaptable to that. But um, with Katie being, you know, the master and just trusting her was um, was huge. So yeah, I agree, it was very special. So the culture went from being written down to it became yours. Yeah. So how did that happen? A huge piece, especially for this year. Um, so when we came in, the uh, core values, the culture, everything had kind of been written out by the classes just prior to us. Mm-hmm. And so this year we sat down starting last spring and going into this year, we all sat down um, and reevaluated our core values and our culture. And we included everybody to make it what this team needed to be successful. Um, and whether that was different terminology or different values, we now felt like we didn't need to say um, that they were known and that as players we were gonna pass down um, without having to write it down. Yeah, I think embracing our set of core values and our culture that we made all together and bringing it into this year really helped us, um, everybody hold the rope because they could own it as something that we made together. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the better we became, not even on the field, off the field, like it's just a bigger expectation that, you know, you, these are standards. This is what we are. This is what, this is how it's going to be. And we made it happen. So you talk about holding the rope, mm-hmm. and Katie and you guys do a lot of reading about you know, legacy, right? Yeah. And who we're going to be. And so how did those clear values that you guys set, how did living those values and eliminating the distractions take you into this season and send this program in a different space for this season? Because from my perspective, it was unbelievably clear. So it's funny that this is from, from the stands, so I always talk to people, go from row L in the stands where I sit, <laughs> it's way easy, but when you're down on the field, it's hard. Mm-hmm. But from where I sit, you guys were so clear about you eliminated all the distractions, and you were so totally focused on the prize that there wasn't anybody going to stop you. How do you think that affected how you played on the field? I think eliminating like distractions... I mean, with leadership and everything, leadership is that group that um, it's like the tie between what the coaches tell them and then kind of tell us, and so everyone's in the know. So I think leadership does a really good job of um, keeping everyone like on the same page. If something's brought up, we automatically like diminish it, where I think my freshman, sophomore year kind of let things bottle up. And then all of a sudden, you know, there'd be drama or there'd be this and that, and this was the most... Um, like I guess special and most dynamic group that I've ever been a part of and I think that um, is because everyone feels so open and like able to talk about things. 
I think we were worried at first about eliminating some of those distractions mm-hmm. because we thought that we weren't going to know how to get to know each other. But I think really it had the opposite effect. And I think there's so many different kinds of bonds on our team this year and just so many different ways that we come together and can relate and on the field I think that's translated because we've embraced the fact that we can be tough with each other and we can be straightforward but when we step off the field like that's our family these are our sisters these are our family that we're going to take care of and we're going to give everything we can because we know that it's bigger than us individually. Mm-hmm. It's for everybody. I equate that to gratitude, right? Mm-hmm. That you're part of something bigger than yourselves. You're thankful and then you lead. You lean with kindness because that's what great teammates do. But that's what I saw you guys do through the season, which was super cool from my perspective. So talk about the season. It went from the non-conference where we had a couple bumps and then this unbelievable fury kicked in. Talk about the season and how it evolved all the way to last Friday night. I think during regular season, we were just trying to still figure out our identity. I think we knew like what we were, what we wanted, but I think we had to put players in different positions, figure out personalities, working with each other, and I think that's all. You hope to figure that out kind of like in preseason, but like with regular season, it kind of showed us who we are and like what our identity was, so I think... Uh, with regular season, it was just kind of figuring out our groove. That's what I think. But conference is just like a whole new level. So once you hit the A-10, mm-hmm. then what happened? I don't know if it was like a light switch, like flipped on. I really don't know. But I think we just became very confident. Yeah. And like we were competing in practice. Like it was like our last one. Like we always focus on the next practice, the next game. And I think that mentality was just huge. And like Bella said, at the end of the day, like, We'll get really competitive with each other, but at the end of the day, it's like we love each other, you know, we're going to support each other. But we, I mean, practices will get a little, like, intense sometimes. But I think that's just the level of the conference is intense. You know, we make it like it would be in a game. So. Yeah, I think definitely this might just be me, but especially the upperclassmen for going into non-conference, we were living in last season's shadow a little bit. Yeah. You know, always, you know, that little like whatever thought in the back of our mind was always there like we don't want to do this again we don't want to do this again and so we got to some of those tough teams uh, Vanderbilt and um, KU and you know we just we knew we started to recognize that we were competing with them and we were keeping up Mm -hmm. but we were still figuring out who we were so it was kind of like even those losses were giving us confidence because we were starting to see you know what, we're not last year's team. We're a new team. We're our own team. And going into conference, I think taking it one game at a time, I think it was just a, instead of a question, it was from conference starting, we will win the A-10. Mm-hmm. We are going to be the champions. We will, we will be missing this class because we're going to be in the championship. It was never like, a, oh, maybe we won't be there. Maybe right. we won't, maybe the same thing will happen again. It was a we will, we are, mm-hmm. we're going. Yeah, so, so we go 18-4-1. We kicked major, major butt in the A-10, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was unbelievable. We put a fury on in the championship game, which was awesome. We go to Kansas and had every chance to win, right? And my greatest moment was you guys walked off the field, and I totally believed that you guys knew you belonged there. And so for me, we've come so far 
you guys would have done anything to win Friday night. We had great chances to win, but when we walked off the field, you all knew that you belonged, and I found I took that as a major, major step for the program. How do you, you know, it's only a couple of days later. How do you guys feel about it? Talk about winning the championship in Dayton and then go on and putting everything on the line in the tournament. Now, I definitely think um, as a senior, that was that was a proud moment for me, too, to see that, you know, last year we got bumped out of the quarterfinal and we were upset. But this year we got bumped out of the NCAA tournament and I almost think we were more upset. Yeah. Because we knew we belonged there and how big of a reflection that is on this team this year because we we were accomplishing bigger and better things that we haven't done in program history. And I think I truly believe that that gave us a level of confidence that they're going to continue to evolve. I don't think this is our glass ceiling or um, however you look at it for our program. I think that they got a taste of that and they're not going back. Yeah. I completely agree. I, if you would have told me we would make KU dogpile, almost dogpile, in the NCAA first round my freshman year, I would have said, heck no. But, like, over time, it just goes to show when we put in the work, you know, it shows. And I'm just I'm so happy we trusted Katie because of how it turned out. Tell us about your relationship with the coach. Katie, I think she knows everything about me um she's just very welcoming just like the entire coaching staff you can talk to her about anything very understanding definitely tests you like pushes you to your limits but it's like you you start to embrace the challenge you start to become mentally stronger because of like how how she tests you and me and katie's relationship is really strong and i think everyone it feels comfortable going to her about anything i really do yeah, I, I'm not proud to say there's been many a times where I've sat in that lady's office and um, shed some tears. I have too. For all different reasons. Yeah. But no, um, I think when we talk to previous teammates from other club teams or um, anywhere, and they automatically know that they don't have the relationship that we do with our coach. Um, Very true. I think that you want to bring people into your life that make you better and she's the kind of person that you want to bring into your life and make you better and I think all of us come out of this program as better students as better athletes as better individuals and I think we're all very fortunate to have like such an amazing role model and such an amazing leader to show us life and to show us the the sport so I have a really good go really good relationship with Katie and I so appreciate that she tolerates my tears sometimes but (laughs) I know well you can't say that about every coach like you know our team is just up there hanging out with our coaching staff like all the time and it's just my you know some of my friends are scared to tell their coach anything so um it's really special well we are proud of you guys congratulations um to get to be there in Dayton when you guys won and to see how loud and obnoxious and how loving you guys are of each other was super cool so i've never i've been around teams that have won national championships in all kinds of sports i've never seen a team like you guys is loud at breakfast (laughs) is competitive at four square i saw somebody take a shot to the head in in the day of the championship game and then to see your joy that was cool so we're proud of you guys congratulations appreciate it thanks for having us That was senior student-athletes Maddie Picorni and Bella Palazzolo from our women's soccer program. 
Coming in to join me now is men's head coach Kevin Kalish. Kevin's team is coming off of a 6-4-7 season, including a victory in the bronze boot game with SIUE. But most importantly, it's a return to campus here at SLU as Kevin was a All-American, an academic All-American as a Billiken in his playing days. Kevin Kalish uh, joining us on the From the Stands podcast here. It's great to have you. Um, end of the first season, you, you return from being a uh, storied Billiken, All-American, academic All-American. You went off to coach and then do some great stuff in the community with Scott Gallagher and really serving our, our, our youth. And so yeah. as, as I look at uh, the season, I think the first big question that our people would be unbelievably interested in is, what's it felt like to come back on campus? Uh, how has it changed? Uh, how do you see it now that you come and you're part of our program that we, we talk a lot about our objectives and our values and how we put everything at a foundation of gratitude? Uh, how is it different and how have you seen it in the first five, six months back. You know, as a lifelong St. Louis and a, and a diehard Billiken, it, uh, it's been an unbelievable experience to be back on campus and to continue to work with student athletes and, and obviously be a part of the, uh, the culture of the athletic department. It's, um, it's been an enjoyable experience from the standpoint of, of just working, working again with, with college-aged uh, young men and, and helping them and mentoring them to, uh, to help them reach their goals. I think um, while the campus has changed a bit in terms of, of the facility upgrades and um, just the beautification of the campus, the one thing that still holds true is just the people. And I think the, um, that's never changed here at SLU. There's just a tremendous culture and atmosphere um, where you have selfless people really investing in young people. And um, that part's been the most gratifying. When, uh, when we sat down last fall and really talked about you know, the opportunity here at SLU. The one thing that kind of jumped out is your feelings of what SLU means to the soccer community and what the St. Louis soccer community means to SLU. How, elaborate on that a little bit for our, for our community out there and, and what does SLU soccer mean? I mean, we know the heritage, we've won yeah. all the championships back in the day, but today and, and you coming, especially coming off of your youth experience, right? Sure. And dealing with Scott Gallagher, kids but what I've been really impressed by is to see that community start to come out again and uh, whether it's with the recruits with the young people recruiting that have this unbelievable heritage which we'll talk about in a little bit but how does that how does that cohesiveness and community in St. Louis and St. Louis University fit for you and how you how you want to mold this into a championship program again yeah, I've had a unique perspective, and obviously I played here, and I've, like I said, I've been a part of the community uh, my whole life, right? And, um, you know, SLU is looked at um, as um, not only a Titan nationally, but locally. It's just something that I think um, embodies everything, you know, you want in, in terms of a program. You know, it's been, it's, it has such, a, like you mentioned, such a track record for success, but it, not only that, it's 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 been a vehicle for young men to really uh, come into the program and change their lives, whether it's going on to play professionally or whether it's going on to get an unbelievable uh, world-class education. Uh, St. Louis has been the one uh, staple, I guess you could say, within the last um, 40 or 50 years in the community when it comes to soccer. And I think that'll always hold true regardless of how the landscape of soccer changes and I know that the game is becoming more professionalized in here and there, but 
um, St. Louis University is still looked upon within the community as as a as a like a, a beacon in terms of soccer, and I think um, we'll continue to, to be the uh, to be an example for for the rest of the community to to to, uh, to, to look look upon and in some ways to um, to emulate. When you come in and take over a program, all coaches want to build culture, right? And it takes a long time to have everybody totally buy into to culture. What are the top two or three messages that you really instill on a daily basis as we're building a culture of competitive success? What are those pieces? Because I know you talked with yep. the team often. You talked in your first meeting with the team when you came. What are those two or three big selling points and uh, cornerstones, if you will, mm-hmm. for what you're trying to do and build? Yeah, first, I think I think, um, I think what's, it's really important to get the right people on the bus, so to speak, right? So it's really important to, to identify whether it's your staff or whether it's the players that you're bringing into the program, just to get the right people, first and foremost, that, that embody kind of what you're looking for, that have tremendous character and um, that fit the culture. And then I think once, once you have those pe- people within the culture, I think it's about building trust and it's about building strong relationships. That, and that extends from the staff to the players, from, the, from player to player, and... and and pretty much the entire the entire organization, um, setting clear expectations for them and, and holding them accountable to a standard of excellence. But for us, we we, just, we talk a lot about trust. We talk a lot about um, our behavior, our values, the values of of, of SLU athletics, and and um, you know it kind of all starts there. It's the kind of the glue that holds everything together. And I think once you get everybody bought in and have clear expectations, um, I think. I think players um, enjoy that um, not only the camaraderie that it builds upon, but also the the, the standards that we hold. Um, and so I give I give our players a tremendous amount of credit. I think the culture was healthy prior to me getting here, so I give Coach McGinty credit there. But also, um, I feel like we've built upon it, we've added to it, and I think um, I think uh, we've built a strong foundation moving forward. As, as your first season is, is ripe, that's the way I always talk to coaches after the season, because it's always ripe. I mean, it's hard to take it all in. You've been 24-7 locked in since August 1, but what are your, what are your takeaways from this season? Yeah, so it was, uh, it was a, I thought, I'm, I'm fairly positive in the sense of, I think we've, we've, I'm real proud of the work of the players. I think they've really invested a lot into the year. I think, um, it wasn't from a lack of effort or of lack of sacrifice. I, th- I really, I want to give them their credit because I think they really invested and they were all in, which I can appreciate as as a coach. The expectation of the program is to win the A10 and, and to be in the NCAA tournament. So from that perspective, we're all disappointed. Um, but I feel we made a real, some really good progress on the field and off the field. Like I mentioned, I feel like our culture became stronger. I think the expectations are clear of where, how we work, what we're trying to accomplish. Um, I think there's a tremendous amount of love within the program. I think people really do care for one another. And I think on the field, we've made, we've made tremendous progress in terms of our identity and how we want to move forward and, and how we're going to win games in the future. As in any uh, collegiate uh, competition, there's marginal gains to everything, and I feel like our margins uh, were really tight this year. I think obviously you've seen that with the seven, seven ties and uh, – every game being within one goal. So I, th- I think um, maybe with a few more pieces that some, some of those outcomes could have been different, but um, I'm excited for the future. I was, I was most impressed by how, and it's not easy, it's not easy for a new staff um, in a group to come together, but I was most impressed by how everybody cared about each other. And uh, 
how they invested. So I was really, really impressed by that. Um, when I look at the season, and I want to get your take, I, a couple things jumped out. One was you had a senior in Anthony Brown, a local kid who gave everything he could for this place, oh, sure. right? I yeah. mean, he totally invested. He's going to be successful in life. We'll help him go get a job, and, and whoever is lucky enough to hire Anthony is going to be great. Exactly. Then you got a Johnny Klein who, tell us about his heritage. There's nobody that has better heritage and a better motor but that was a big time positive. And then then the bronze boot, the bronze boot was cool. The bronze boot was a great step in promoting our game and in the community. So talk a little bit about those two guys with the bronze boot uh, yeah, in, in for his sure. first game back, what it meant. So and Anthony scored an unbelievable goal in the bronze boot. So it, uh, I was excited to see Anthony end his career with a positive season, right? I think we all respect Anthony for an unbelievable work rate, uh, and, and the investment, the amount of investment he gives back to not only his teammates but the SLU community uh, and St. Louis in general, being a local local player. Um, the, you know, this is the first time I've ever coached Anthony, and we we joke about this personally because he's played in, uh, locally and played in, in the club which I uh, worked at for many years, but we never actually had the opportunities to work together, and so. It was a it was a fun uh, you know ten months to be able to connect with Anthony and understand him at a deeper level. He embodies what we look for in a student athlete, and um, I know he'll be successful um, not only as a citizen but when he graduates to with whatever he decides to do with his uh, with his next steps. And at, ironically, I was talking with a, a colleague um, just just the other day, and and. Um, it really puts when you lose your last game. It puts things in perspective when you see the seniors' faces and and um, and how much it means to them and how much they invested over time. And you know, I, obviously, um, Anthony was one against with George Mason. He just you could just tell after that final whistle blew what it meant to be a Billiken. And um, so he's he's going to be missed, but um, he leaves a great legacy. And like I said, I know he'll do great things in the future. Johnny uh, has been a, has just been an unbelievable bright spot for for the program and for what we look for in recruits. Um, he's a third generation Billiken. Uh, ironically, his, his grandfather was watching the final in the stands. Uh, we were sitting with him watching the, the A10 final just recently, so he's he's overjoyed to watch his grandson play. And um, you know, again, we're excited for the next three years with Johnny because I think he's got bigger and better things ahead of him. And then lastly, the uh, the bronze boot is just a, a great celebration for soccer in St. Louis. And I think, um, I don't know that any of us probably really fully understood the ramifications or the, the impact maybe that game had at one point. Cause I think it was prior, even I played in one, but it was a spring game at the time. Um, so, but I think for that, for a different generation, what the game meant to the community and we were excited to, um, not only with the, you know over 5,000 people here, but um, I think we put on a good display of soccer, and it was a great celebration. I thought it was it was great at how people really celebrated the game and came back and brought the pride in that game and the pride in their universities to that game. Yeah. So I thought it was an unbelievably positive step out. When you talk about Johnny Klein and his family, I, I can't not think about gratitude because when you talk to the grandpa, you talk to his dad, and you see that kid around campus, and that kid, uh, he's never had a bad day. That's right. And it's a pretty special thing to see when you get to see it like that. Um, last question. So uh, you've been fortunate enough to really have great relationships with some major, major successful people that are Billikens, whether it's Jim Cavanaugh, whether it's Dan Flynn and Strunk, 
Tom and Joe and all those guys and all the Herman winners, how does their success help encourage and motivate you? You know, Johnny Johnson in Houston. I mean, there's so many of them out there that have done so well. How does their success help motivate you and also encourage you in what you're doing to help young people? Because they're going to be the next generation, right? Right. The young people you're working with today are the next generation. They're, they come to SLU to get a great education. They come to SLU to compete for championships. And they come to SLU and to be part of this community. So what does that community, how does that community help you on a daily basis? Yeah, look, I think the first thing, I think it's like, uh, I think they, they call it like, almost like the windshield theory of some sort, but it, it's, they've they've gone through it. So they've, they've walked the same um, hallways that we have, right? And they, yeah. they played in the same field and, and wore the same jersey. And, and to see them leave St. Louis University and then go on to have such successful careers off the field and in business and in life and what they've been able to accomplish, I think it's just it allows all of us to aspire and, and, and know what's capable what we're capable of right and what um what we can do with hard work and and using the the gifts and uh and and the, i guess the resources that we've learned here at st louis university so for me it's the one side of it is 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 being able to observe what they've been able to do and and uh, emulate their great qualities and learn from them and ask them for advice and I think, obviously, with them being in the community, I think, you know, there's no better resources. And I know that they care just as much about the program as, as any as any alumni that, that's out there. So um, we're very grateful for for their their involvement in the program. And I know I'm grateful for our relationships and, and having them uh, give me give me advice throughout the throughout the season, whether it's whether it's about the team or whether it's just about the program or whether it's about uh life in general. So um, I'm very grateful to, to have those guys involved. It's one of those real special places because uh, at any day you can run into the Leahy's and the McBride's and the Series and McDermott and Flynn and all those. And so it's pretty cool in this city because they all care. And when you see the elevation of the game and potential MLS team and all those, it's so, for me, it, it's such a wonderful opportunity today for St. Louis University soccer to continue to to reach in and connect to those places, and it's unique too. I, I don't know that it's any like any other program in the country, right? And so I don't know that. Just for instance, when we had our first uh, meet and greet with alums, and you know, where sixty or seventy alums show up, that's rare. Right. That's rare for, and that's what's special about St. Louis and special about St. Louis University and the community in general. So, um, you know, there's just there's you know most. Most people who come, I would say, there's a lot of people who came to Sleuth still reside in St. Louis. And I think that's that's unique and special. And obviously there's great things going on in the community in general. Well, we uh, they're proud and we are thrilled to have you here. And I think uh, as, as we saw what happened with the women's team this year, it, it's going to be an unbelievable ride when we have both our men and our women competing at that level, which we're going to have. And that's so right. It's a special time. and. We're proud to have you. So thanks, well, I appreciate thanks it. Thanks, Chris. Here. Thanks for all your support. We'll have you back here from the stands very soon again. Okay. All thanks, right. everybody. Thank Take care. That was men's soccer coach Kevin Kalish. We'll now transition our conversation from soccer to basketball for the remainder of the podcast as we introduce women's head coach Lisa Stone. Lisa's squad is coming off of its third consecutive postseason appearance, but there are many new faces and a totally new look in this year's roster. Welcome, Lisa Stone, to the uh, to our first episode of the podcast uh, from the stands. Great to have you. 
As you sit and think about, uh, it wasn't long ago, six years ago when we were sitting talking about Billick and women's basketball. And it was one of those cool times where we both had, we're both probably just crazy enough to think that we could be really good here, right? <laughs> For sure. And so, um, and then here we are, you're starting your seventh season. We've been to three postseasons in a row. The school's only been to four. So we've been on a great run. You graduated that super special group last year. And what I think is really cool as I stop by practice is the energy and the positive um, focus that this young team is taking on with a couple seniors. And so when you think back about six short years ago and uh, where we started then, um, it's come so far and really not, not a long period of time. T give me your take on how far we've come and how you feel about headed into this season. We're one game in, we're undefeated, that's all cool, but the, the young people and the difference they're making. First of all, um, thanks for doing this, it was great. Um, but to start with reflecting back, and in fact, before our first game the other day, one of my assistants said, okay, Lisa, it's, how's it feel? It, here we go, it's year 33. And I look back that, that means I'm really old, but- means the, you started when you were 10. Yeah, yeah, it does. I was really young when I started, but as I, I reflect back on my one, I started at St. Louis, and the team that accepted a new coach—that's always a you know—that's always a challenge right away. There's a coaching change. All the players on the first team were all new to me. I didn't recruit any of them. I kept them all. I didn't. Some coaches clean house. I didn't do that. I was committed to them, and it was a, really a, a a great opportunity to to take to look at the vision that both you and I shared. We talked about Chris, and I appreciate the opportunity to come here because I wanted to my next opportunity to be a coach on the sideline was to go somewhere where you can make a difference in young people's lives. Now, every coach, I think, has that same theory, but when you come to a program that hasn't tasted success, there's nothing better than seeing a, the, the smile on a, on a player's face and a team's face to do something they never thought could, be, could happen. A lot of people said to me, there's no way this can happen in St. Louis. You can't win a championship here. It's just not right. Blah, blah, blah. All these different excuses. Where we started that particular year, and we we beat some teams we weren't supposed to beat. We weren't great. We couldn't make a layup, but those players were the start of it. Um, and, and one special player from that first year of my arrival was Desiree Ball, who dated and married Jake Barnett on, on our men's team. Probably a quality pillar of our of our program in, in my tenure here. She did a great job. She really, the transition, she embraced it and did as good a job as anybody could. She did. It was awesome. And I demanded a lot of her. She had to play defense, offense. She had to do everything for us, but was a great leader, a solid foundation of what's to come. As years have gone through, we've we've done a good job of, of recruiting some really quality players. Most noteworthy was the Jackie Kemp, Jenny Vliet, Maddie Gitz, uh, Leah Covington, Shea Shipman, and Paige Rocker class. That's six group of seniors that won a championship. You know, they tied for first, another three postseasons, all those different things. But it started with the young that young team, the first team setting the stage for the next group that came in. And then when they taste success and you beat Dayton for the first time or you go and you do something that you're not supposed to do, our game against Mizzou, um, was two years ago here, and now we, we went back there last year, that Missouri game might have been the turning point of our program in terms of expectations. So we went from not being very successful to building a culture, an understanding, uh, recruiting the right kind of players. Might not always be the best, but it's the right ones that fit our system, fit our program. I've had great assistance, tremendous help and support from, from our administration, from you and our president, everybody, to help us do this. That Missouri game may have been the turning point in terms of now 
we want to be in a position to play for championships every year. We've gone to three postseasons, which is nice, but it's not enough. And now you have a team where we have six newcomers, five freshmen and a transfer. So you go from last year where everybody was so used to uh, Jackie Camp, A-10 player of the year, back-to-back years. We didn't have an all-conference player ever in St. Louis history outside of, the, um, of Teresa Lish. Right. So as we've gone through the, the, the whole history of women's basketball, it, we've gotten incrementally better. We've improved in taking care of the ball, making layups, uh, playing better defense. Um, then it transforms into winning. But I really think that that class, and it was um, the junior year of the class who just graduated that beat Mizzou. For the first time in school history, packed crowd, tremendous attendance, great momentum going into our postseason run. Now you enter this season with these young ones, and I think energy best describes them. It really does. They, from the bus rides, and they're quiet on defense. They won't say weak side, help, 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 things like that. They are dancing and singing every minute they're not playing basketball. And that, I love the life, the energy, the excitement, the the willingness to learn. That some There's a little bit they're scared, um, but those freshmen have to play. And they're filling some big shoes, but we don't talk about last year's team. We talk about them and this year's team and how we're invested in them. We care for them. We love them. We're going to push you. We're going to hold you accountable. But we're going to have some fun here. And you're going to take, for me as a head coach, it's my job to continue to teach, continue to lead, keep them positive, and keep them believing because they they don't know any better right now. And I, I walked with a player today. I walked with, I went up and met Evan Zars outside her class, and I walked her all the way back to the arena just to tell her to, to have fun. It's okay. They have fun on the bus, but have fun when you play. Quit being so serious. They're so tense. <laughs> just relax. And gave me a big hug. Thank you, Coach Stone. I love you. Thank you for everything. And I, it was just a casual walk. So it, that was as much meaningful for me as it was for her. Um, I love this group. The sky's the limit. No one is expecting a lot out of us because of so many new bodies and a pretty heralded class, the most successful class in school mm-hmm. history. And bless their hearts, they're all out and successful. This is a brand new year, and, and we're excited about trying to get better every day and, and do some things that they've never done. So how do you uh, how do you take a young a young group and a group that hasn't played a lot together, and how do you reinforce those values that you're going to be about every day? I, I, I find it ironic. You talk about the loud bus rides. I spoke to Katie Shields, who's on this first uh, episode also, and she and I I witnessed how loud her team is. They were loud at breakfast at eight in the morning. <laughs> and so your group is, I think they're loud when they're competitors. Mm-hmm. I think competitors, especially in today's world, they show up and they've got a little bounce in their step and they're fired up. But when you've got a group that hasn't played together, how do you build and enforce the values that it's going to take come game time when the game's on the line? How do you, how do you develop that and encourage it and the most important thing, you said those four important words, right, that you and I talk about, I believe in you. How do you get them to understand the values and the culture and to believe in it? You have to show them. You really have to show them. I, there's nothing more important than feeling appreciated. And the other thing is that nothing in life is done without enthusiasm. So that's, that's kind of how I'm wired. I'm an energy person. There's no doubt about it. But you want to be enthusiastic about the games, about practice, about each other. And as coaches, we have to show them that we believe in them. We have to show them, not just tell them, I believe in you. 
well, is that fake or phony? You have to show that to them. And some, some things that we've done as a team, we, we read the John Gordon book, The Power of a Positive Team. We did one chapter a week for eight weeks. And at the end of each, every Tuesday, we would go through that chapter, whether there was little projects, whether we talked about a summary, whether each player spoke, we talked about experiences. And quite honestly, after the, our first win on the road, there was a couple behaviors that were unlike the focus of we versus me. Not bad, understandable, young, didn't know. So didn't get mad, we came in and I quoted page 107 and 111 to them. And we talked and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody meant any harm. It was just a, it's a new transition. They don't know. Every player on our team was their best player on their high school team. Otherwise we didn't do a very good job recruiting. So the whole team is made up of that. So there's an understanding there. In playing time right now, that usually is what breaks a team. So the more direct conversation you have with a player, the more you meet them for coffee, you take walks with them, you show them that you believe in them, you watch film with them. We do a lot. My assistants are great with watching film. Having periodic meetings with players are very helpful. And I like informal meetings. Um, Chris, you like to walk. I like to walk. Janet likes to walk. I like to get out on campus and encourage students to come but also you're walking with a player um that that has gone a long way as well but you have to show them and they they have to believe that you're real so i also think that there's an emotional part of we as as leaders yourself myself our president everybody in the world that it's okay to show emotion and there's some passion and that having done this for 33 years there's stories that you can reflect back on for instance, I had a player, we won the conference tournament, this Division Three way back when, and she averaged 28 a game. They held her scoreless, and we won the championship. And she sat on the bus was crying because she didn't score a basket. And that is a kind of a, it's, it's, it's an odd analogy, but it's true. That is just about, are you happy for the team, or are you mad because you didn't score yours? And you know, Olivia Applewhite, I'm on my staff right now, um, played at Dayton, and she wanted to transfer after her freshman year because she didn't get to start, didn't get to play. And her mother says, no, you are committed and you're staying there. And she never started until her senior year, and that was only half part-time, and then we became sixth player of the year. So I think in women's basketball, there's less like role models to look after. You could say Steph Curry worked really hard at Davidson, and now he's doing what he does with Gold State. There's less of that for women in terms of that level, but there's enough at this level. And I'm, I believe, I'm a mother, wife, teacher, and a coach. And they'll say, oh, coach has given us a mama stone. We had a little mama stone conversation before practice today. And I said, this is the last time we'll have this conversation. We have to trust each other. Someone lost their playbook, okay? And I didn't point the person out. They're going to fix the problem. Coach, we got it. I said, Did okay. we find it on the bus? Um, it wasn't on the bus. Um, it, was, it will be found. Yeah. And the problem will be solved. And so, little, like, lessons in a way... Because young people are different than they were when you and I were young chaps. Younger. Younger, much younger. Because if your your parents, my parents said, go mow the lawn and clean the room and do that, and, and you just did it. No one here is saying, why do we have to run this, that, the other? But you have to explain certain things. You have to, they have to believe you believe in them. Tell us about you guys at the end of every huddle, what do you say? We say team first. Um, That is our hashtag this year. Um, Team first, a lot along the lines of the we versus me. So we always put the team ahead of ourselves. And this group, they're 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 loving, they're energetic, they dance and sing and all that. But not one of them 
would take a second seat to the teammate. If there was a time of trial, they're going to step up. And the thing is, when you have a base that way, and now you're tested, playing time, you know, you can be selfish, and it's okay. I, I, everybody should want to play. But if they understand and understanding roles and where they fit in to the team, then the team first is ever present. If not, and you're a little bit, you just don't fit. And it's lonely by yourself. This is a team sport. It's not tennis or track. You and I, you and I ran track. It's all on us. Right. We have teammates now that if I get beat on defense, I've got someone to help me. You know, if I miss a layup or something, I've got somebody that can get the rebound. So that the collective unit um, is, we're off to a great start. I think Kerry uh, McMahon and Jordan France, they fought different leadership styles in the summer. And it has come together where those two are closer, but they're different styles. Jordan will be the one to give you a hug, tell you it's okay, and take you out and get an ice cream cone. Kerry will say, let me help you with the playbook and let's go in and shoot with you. So we've got like a mother and a coach combined into two people. And it, this collective leadership style has been very beneficial to our young players. What's the one item that you're most excited about looking forward into the season? Our depth and our culture. As of starting off a season with that type of confidence in our identity and our culture is the formation of what's to come. And I, I think we're going to surprise some people this year. I'm really excited. Kaija Harbison was named the freshman of the week this week and um, had a great first game. Um, people will key into that. That's what they do. And who else will step up? We've got some nice depth. Uh, we shouldn't have a drop-off when we sub. We shouldn't, but we may. Those are things yet to come. But we just want to get better. But I, I think our culture is in a great place right now, and we just have to continue to keep it there by – showing these young people the way. That's our job. Well, the Billiken fans have been able to watch you build something pretty special in a short period of time. And I'm sure uh, they're as encouraged and excited as I am to be right there from row L in the stands and uh, be cheering our Billikens on. So we appreciate it and thank you. Thank you. That was Lisa Stone, our head coach of the women's basketball team. To wrap up our debut episode of From the Stands, I'm happy to introduce our men's basketball coach, Travis Ford. Travis and the Bills were recently tabbed as the preseason favorite to come out on top in the Atlantic 10 Conference. So there's a lot of excitement around our men's basketball program. We've got Travis Ford here on From the Stands. It's an exciting time in Chaffetz Arena as we're in uh, year three of the Travis Ford era. And as I was thinking about it, Travis, I was thinking about it was only a couple of years ago when you and I were in a hotel room <laughs> in Denver, Colorado. And it was so fascinating how immediately we both had the same vision of what Billiken basketball could be. And so as, as you think about it, and here we are through game three, uh, how do you feel where we sit today in year three? We talked about it. It was going to be a long-term yeah. process, right? So what, it, how do you feel about it? You know, you, you take me back to the hotel room in Denver and, First of all, boy, how time flies. <laughs> I know. In, in, in a lot of ways. And sometimes it was slowed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, man, I remember that day, though. Remember how bad the snowstorm? Yeah. I got snowed in. I mean, it was a bad snowstorm. But then four or five days later, we meet in Kansas City. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, looking back at that, and you and I have talked about it a lot, that, you know, when we met, uh, you know, I was trying to get a feel for you guys as much as you were trying to get a feel for me because, you know, coming out of the Oklahoma State, then I wanted to try to look for the perfect place. Uh, where did I want to take my family to? Uh, where did I want to, what type basketball program, where did, you know, do I want to take over next? And I was really 
beyond really being very, I don't know if picky's the right word, but very cautious of everything that I was doing. Very cautious. Right. And uh, when I met you and, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Pastello and Kent Porterfield and, it really got me energized after going through a, a, a very difficult time, got me very energized because what I believe in, what I wanted to be a part of next, you guys were laying that out in front of me. Right. I didn't even have to bring it up that you're what you guys, the culture of just the university is what I wanted to be a part of. And, and then uh, your leadership here and what I uh, heard from you, what you stood for and what you wanted the athletic department to be about was hand-in-hand uh, hand what I wanted to get to. And so that got me excited. And, uh, you know, my first two or three days on the job, I quickly saw how much work we had to be done. And But I knew that. You know, this is a great league. The Atlantic 10 is a great basketball league. And I'd already been a part of it before at UMass as the head coach. So I kind of knew the league and how difficult it was. But when you take over a program that more or less finished last, you know, two years before we got here and uh, you you know you're in for it. You know it's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. But uh, I, I love the first team that I coached here. I really enjoyed coaching that team as much as any. Not about wins and losses, but enjoyed the their heart, their fight, uh, how they accepted me it was always important, and I always let them know that almost on a daily basis. Man, I appreciate you guys accepting me. Uh, and uh, really enjoyed the first year, really enjoyed just the, the culture and the team. Um, and, and we kept improved from year one, kind of overachieved what people thought we could do. Year two, probably overachieved from where we were even picked and what people thought we could do. Um, but as we head into year three, uh, I think we're headed in the right direction. Uh, I like our basketball team now, you know, building a roster is always an ongoing process, especially in today's society where you have so many transfers and certain things, you know, happen. Uh, it's an ongoing process, but I like, uh, as we sit here on signing day, I like where we're headed. Yeah. I really like where we're headed. We'll have some great announcements, uh, and uh, we're heading in the right direction. But it's it literally, as you know this, Chris, you and I meet, and it's every day. I mean, it's something every day that we're trying to build this. Every day, roster, we're trying to build this, whether it be recruiting or your own team or what we can do to even make this better every single day. Um, and it's fun to be a part of because uh, of your support, the university support, our president support, the fan support. Uh, it, it makes it easy for me to get up in the morning and stay up late. Yeah, one of the exciting pieces, no question. I, I think you bring up signing date. I think that's hand in hand with when we first talked about making this program St. Louis's team from the inside out, recruiting, from building it. Right. How do you see the progression and how it's come from the the first person you talked about was Jordan Goodwin. Mm -hmm. You you yeah. you had Jordan Goodwin <laughs> circled when we when you walked in the door yeah. in Denver. And so clearly you saw the same vision that we, but how, so how do you yeah. feel we're doing to date and where do you see us going in that world? Yeah, I think we're doing, first of all, doing really well. Um, but I mentioned it at my press conference. I wanted to make recruiting the city of St. Louis an emphasis. I wanted to, to, to really build relationships in this city with high school coaches, AU coaches, uh, whoever, to let them know we are here and we want to be this city's university. We want to be this city's basketball team. And the more and more I was here, as I was living here, uh, I started to even 
embrace even more that concept because I've never had a, a coaching job where I could go five minutes, ten minutes, and watch great basketball every single night, uh, very well-coached teams, great talent, and I've really enjoyed that. I've really enjoyed being able to get out of practice, go watch a couple high school games maybe. Um, and, you know, we've there's great talent here, great coaching, uh, and we've had some success. We've had some success of keeping some of these young men at home here. We talk to our team a lot about, and our recruits, that not only do we represent this great university, but we represent the city of St. Louis. We are St. Louis's basketball team. And I think you see that by the support and, uh, and everything. Um, but we, we can't take every player. Uh, we might miss out on a player or two. But I think we're really doing our due diligence as far as trying to build relationships early with young men uh, and recruiting them hard and letting them know uh, this is a place that we're building something special and we want them to be a part of it uh, and, uh, and and keeping these uh, these young kids at home here uh, I think is important to them as well. That's one thing that uh, I've seen that, you know, these kids have such an affection for their own city and they want to represent their city. Um, it, it really helps us. Season three, you, uh, you came off of, as you said, uh, we over-delivered year one, Year two, Team Blue starts forming, right? Team Blue starts coming together. Now we're starting off year three with four returners that really played some great minutes and nobody else that's been in a Billiken uniform. It's an interesting concept when you start picking, you start thinking about how we're picked first in the it's league. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I, mean, I, I honestly have never seen it. I mean, but you want that. I've said that. I, I've you know, I've drawn a kind of a fine line. I, I really embrace it on one uh, with fans and everything like that, with the other team uh, and with some media right. at times. I want to slow things down a little bit and say, let's put things in perspective. Not, not Let's not, not be excited. Let's all be excited. Let's all get behind this team. But let's put everything a little bit in perspective here. We're only, first of all, we're only in year three of a of a rebuilding job. It really was. I mean, there's yeah. been great, great days in St. Louis University basketball. Uh, but we were taking over a fairly tough situation. And we're only in year three. It wasn't just, it was just two years ago we were picked dead last. Right. Then you add that with, we only have four returning players off last year's team. Yes, they are very four very good basketball players. And we've added some really good basketball players, which enhances, created the excitement. And we want that. But we also want the fans to get behind this team, not just when we're winning, but get behind us and help us get to where we want to get, be. Help us uh, be a part of the process of getting us, hopefully getting us to where we want to be at the end of the year. As we sit here today, we're 3-0 and and very happy to be 3-0. and But we've had to fight for our lives to be 3-0, and which is fine. I'd rather win and learn than lose and learn, the alternative. Um, but you know, we're a work in progress. I think we'll get there um, because any three of these games, as we see in college basketball overall right now, anybody can win or lose on any given night. The name doesn't matter. Uh, uh, what league you're in doesn't matter necessarily. Anybody can beat anybody on any given night. We've seen that. So we feel... Uh, very fortunate to be sitting here at three and zero, and understanding that uh, we need to get a lot better. You've been very upfront about we're a good team with major potential. Yeah. What's got to happen with this team 
for this team to reach its goals? First and foremost, continue to grow as as a unit, as Team Blue, together. Uh, it's not like it's not and not in the fact that learn to like each other. They all like each other. Uh, they all get along, but understand each other's strengths and weaknesses. Uh, let me take it even a step. Let me take a step back. First of all, understand your individual strengths and weaknesses. And we we talk to our guys a lot about that. And you define roles, but. So many people talk about, you know, guys got to understand their roles. Well, not only do they have to understand them, they got to accept their role. So it's one thing to understand it, but you got to accept it. Some, some people don't want to accept their role. Yeah, all right, I understand what you need, but I'd rather be doing this. I think I can do that. So first of all, we got to understand who we are because we have a lot of strengths. Everybody's got weaknesses. I'm going to tell our guys all the time, I'm at the top of the list with weaknesses, guys. So let's, let's, I'll put that out there right now. But I try to play to my strengths. I try to coach to my strengths uh, as best I can. I need you to do the same thing. Play to your strengths because you have many. And let's minimize and camouflage our weaknesses as much as we can. Camouflage them. Don't, don't do things you can't do. Don't, don't make yourself look bad. Stay within your strengths. We got to do that first, uh, and then second, understand each other's strengths and help your brother, help your teammate play to his strengths. Help him by getting the ball where he needs it. Encourage him to, if he's a good defender, keep encouraging him to be that great defender. If he's a rebounder, keep telling him, "Man, we need you to get 10, 12 rebounds a game." That's part of being a great teammate. I think those are the biggest things for us right now. And then once we get that, we'll start to understand. We forget about learning plays and all that right now we got to figure that out first. And we're getting better at it, which is good. We're, we see improvement at that every day. Then we start learning the system and the plays and all that, and that comes. But I think just that camaraderie as a team, because we brought a lot of different guys together. We have. You talked about it earlier, only four returning players. So if you only have four returning, that means you got a lot of new ones. So we're still putting all that together. And once, we get, once they all get on the same page, uh, I think uh, we'll start playing up to uh, – what I think we're capable of. I've been so impressed how the new guys have meshed with the returners, and and that because that is really really hard to do in a short period of time. It's very difficult. First of all, especially you bring in a couple of fifth year transfers. All fifth year transfers want to be want to be right out there. They you know, especially ones we've had where they, where they had success at their other places. Big time program. Yeah, so they want to play right away and they want to have instant success. Well, nowadays, freshmen want instant success. Now, freshmen, they all expect to play right away and want to get minutes and want to get shots and want to get and – I, and I want that. I, I tell our friends, I don't want you not to want to play. I want you to want to play. But also understand and be a great team member as you go through the process uh, of, of learning, of being a part of a pretty good basketball team. It's a little bit different. If you come in and you're not very good, then, yeah, you're going to play. I mean, but when you come into a – pretty good basketball situation embrace that embrace being a part of that team and learn every day and when you get when your name is called go out there and give it everything you got whether it's one minute two minutes or 25 minutes and you know that's 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 tough nowadays it's really tough but our new guys have done a pretty good job of learning from those four guys those four guys have done a pretty good job of leading uh, uh, this basketball team. We can always want more on both sides. You always want more on both sides. But they have done a good job of trying to blend together. It's just a work in progress. But you're exactly right. They've, they've, 
they've had a pretty good attitude of trying to do that. We're headed out on a big time road trip, and then we've got some big games at home at Chaffetz Arena. What, what's the one thing you're most looking forward to in the development of this team? Well, as I told our team after uh, the game against North Alabama, uh, we were sitting here 3-0, guys, but I said, playtime is over. You know, the real deal starts now. <laughs> so, and you don't really have to tell them. I think they know that, but right. it never hurts to say, all right, guys, warm-ups is over. We're the going warm-ups are over with. You're headed to the big leagues now. Uh, so uh, I want to see continued improvement on what our, you know, when, and when we get to our next practice, right, we're going to study our last game. We're going to have a list of things that, all right, we need to get better from that last game. Are we going to do that in practice and carry it over to the Seton Hall game? That's what I'm looking for. If we do those things, we'll give ourselves a chance to win, first and foremost. But we'll also continue to take just another step up the ladder uh, of getting better and reaching what we hope to be. Uh, That's really what I've got to concentrate on right now. I don't need to get too concerned about putting, you know, doing everything we, you know, putting everything in, and I told our team this. I actually told our team, we're not in, you know, it's so early in the season, you're not in do-or-die situations. They'll be, they'll, they'll be that time. They'll get in that situation. Every team, I don't care if you're a great team, you'll be games late in the year at some point that, man, yeah, you need to win. These are, you know, uh, important games. These are important games right now, yes, to win, but important games to get better. But they're not situations where, I told them where, guys, these are not. These are opportunities to you go uh, and and make a statement. But you know we got to make sure that we're improving from game to game, uh, more than even practice to practice. Game to game, it starts in practice, but game to game we're improving. Um, and and if we do that, I think we'll give ourselves to win some of these games that are coming up. We know how difficult they are because they've a lot of these teams that we've played that are lately can't match up to us physically. All these teams could match up to us physically. Uh, they're, uh, you know, they're ACC teams. They're Big East teams. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're great teams. So, you know, that that execution becomes that much more important. You know, we've won some of these games here lately just because we're more athletic than everybody else, and we're just more physical than they are. And it over a forty minute game, it takes its toll on teams, and that's more or less what's happened in the last two games. Uh, our physicality and athleticism and uh, it's just eventually taken over, and uh, we got to continue to rely on that to an extent. But you better start relying on execution and making better decisions in order to beat better teams we'll be facing. Well, we uh, we appreciate your time today. I'd be remiss not to mention, you know, we're going on the road, but it's the 200th year mm-hmm. of St. Louis University, and what a great time for us to be here to shepherd this program and to help you put these kids in position to compete for championships. So it's an exciting time as you. You and I talk about all the time yeah. and couldn't be more thrilled with where we are. Yeah, it is. And uh, I would reiterate that it is an exciting time to be a part of this university and everything that's going on. And you just walk around campus and you see the different buildings that are being built and you see all the success that's going on uh, within the university. And then you see the success in the athletic department with what the baseball team's done, what the women's soccer team has done, the men's soccer. I can go down the line. Uh, what Lisa Stone has done. There's a lot of success going on within this university, and it's, uh, it's fun to be a part of and uh, celebrate 200 years. 
We appreciate you being with us. We'll do it again next month. Sounds great. Enjoyed it. Thank you. You got it. That'll do it for our first episode of From the Stands with Billiken's AD, Chris May. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Billiken Podcast for show updates and the latest news regarding our new series. If you like what you've heard, please rate and subscribe on our iTunes. You won't want to miss our next episode on December 15th. We'll talk a lot more basketball, and we'll have a sit-down with Missouri Hall of Famer Jim Halliburton to discuss his career and what he's done with the swimming and diving team here at SLU, in addition to his storied success as a collegiate and world-class swimmer. Thanks for listening, and go Billikens!